0: Yo, welcome back to the Help I'm Alive podcast. It's been um, a long time since we've had <laughs> any podcast put out. Um, I recently got a new job, so I've been busy as fuck, but we're back with another really good podcast for you. Um, today I'm interviewing Frank of shooting sports northwest what's up man hey guy thanks for having me on man glad to be here i mean it's been it's been an interesting week it's been a very interesting week uh very busy uh lots of new stuff going on at work i work at this brewery like i told you now um so that's been
1: woodenville right
0: yeah um spending a lot of time in <laughs> um but that being said my first question for you actually something i've thought of since i started shooting here um what As a manager, what made you get into this? Like, what, how did you come across? Like, obviously, you didn't start as a manager, right? So, is that something that you worked up to, or did you just hop into the business, or how did this work? So, firearms in general have always
1: been a long standing thing in my family and in my upbringing. Uh, I was shooting guns at the age of five. That's, <laughs> that's what you do when you're from Delaware, man. So, <laughs> yeah. Jeez. um, yeah. So basically between the ages of five and 17, 18, we just shot recreationally, did a lot of sports shooting. Uh, actually came up in the firearms world in sporting clays, like so competitive shotgun shooting. Okay. Um, right. Damn. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Probably around 2001, 2002, um, we started, my family and I, we started looking at doing firearms as a business. Okay. And it wow. started real slow, real small, real basic. Uh, seven firearms on an eight foot table at a gun show. <laughs> Damn. Humble Super humble beginnings, man. Super humble beginnings. So, um, Family affair. Family affair, affair. totally. So seven guns on an eight-foot table became 20 guns on two eight-foot tables, became 40 guns on four tables, so on and so on. Um, That was 2002, 2003, um, and it just kind of escalated and grew over the years. Um, One thing that we always wanted to do was find the value in always bringing new people into the firearms industry And be very welcoming and open, which is kind of, uh, I guess, a little bit against the grain in the
0: perception that people have about firearms industry. Right. I mean, and the viewers don't really know this, but I've recently actually I did mention on one of the podcasts that I bought a gun and I've been shooting at a range. Um, But now that you guys know, I'm new to this. Uh, It's something I just started doing this year. The, the range that we're interviewing today has been fucking so good to me, ridiculously good to me. Um, so you saying that it's a big deal for you guys to be really kind to newcomers. Like, cause I, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I had no idea, no clue. Um, and then coming into it, being intimidated, especially by the fact that like I'm a young tattooed up 23 year old, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not like the demographic that a gun shop's going to take seriously a lot of the time, unfortunately. Um, and I feel like maybe the stigma is changing a bit. Cause coming here, I see a lot of people that are tattooed or a lot of younger folks and a lot of people. And you guys, there's no discrimination. It feels like in age or experience.
1: No, definitely not here. I mean, top to bottom, the people that we hire, the people that we employ and the people that we try to cater, if you will, to as customers is very diverse. I mean, we live in the Pacific Northwest, right? right. Everybody is very different, different walks of life, different cultures. Um, Different ethnicities, whatever levels of understanding, and you know us as a facility and as a team, we cater toward the novice and the novice intermediate customer.
0: Well, that's been huge. Like I said, too. Like I mean, even off the record, like thank you guys for being so fucking kind to me. Like really, like solid family that I feel like I've developed here, um, and I'm stoked to be a part of it. Especially being able to bring my dad in on something like. Oh, this. we love it's you big, guys. It's a big man. deal. Yeah, you're, <laughs> it's sick. I love it. It's like it's honestly become one of my. Um, one of the things I do to relieve stress as, as a strange, it seems aggressive to some, but to me, it's, I don't think it's aggressive at all. I think it's very professional. I think it's very, um, it's well suited for the people who are into something like that. Um, and I think also too, uh, the intimidation starts to fade when you have people that are willing to walk you through the process of purchasing a firearm or firing a bigger gun or caliber Mm -hmm. that you're not used to. Um, so, yeah, I guess continue your story. Where, where, what brought you out to Washington? How did it? Sure.
1: So uh, my dad's whole family lived on the East Coast. My mom's whole family lived on the West Coast. So in the early 90s, probably 94 or so, we moved from the East Coast out here to the West Coast to be closer to my mom's family for a while. Okay. So. I guess at this point now, I've been here long enough. So I'm a Washingtonian and no longer an East Coaster, <laughs> but I got a lot of East Coast family and East Coast ties. So, um, now you bring the East Coast vibe for sure. You, you even, I've been told that before. Hospitality. <laughs> it's hospitality I think yeah. I mean, it's important, man. If you take care of people and you're good to people, it's going to come back full circle for sure. You know, we try to do that with our customers. Mm-hmm. I try to do that with, you know, with our staff. You know, you take care of people. They'll, it'll come back around to you. And that gets lost a lot in customer service and retail in general, you know, especially doing something as specialty retail as firearms. Right. I was going to say, especially
0: being this being like, like you said, kind of a touchy and in the dark, uh, industry, at least as far as like, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously been a lot of uproar when it comes to, uh, guns and, and the right to own a gun and what the process is in America of getting one because of, you know, recent shootings and stuff of that nature. And it's like, all of that kind of masks this huge um, hobby that is a big connecting point for a lot of people. It's, it's a part of our freedom. It's a part of our privilege of living here in America. Like that's huge, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, shooting guns and owning guns, gets kind of a bad rap, right? Mm -hmm. For the masses and the broad perspective from a lot of people, a lot of people think shooting guns is surely for self-defense or surely for hunting or anything like that. But, Truly, I equate it more to things like hitting a golf ball off of a tee at a driving range, or throwing darts with your buddies at a bar, or shooting pool. It's a game of skill against yourself and accuracy. And a lot of people kind of miss that or glaze over the fact that it's supposed to be a fun hobby, right. you know. And it's you know everyone kind of goes automatically from zero to self defense,
0: right. you know. And there's a lot of stops in between there. Well, it's interesting too because. Um having being like a new gun owner, um, I've talked to it like excitedly about some, like to some of my friends and some of them are like, why do you need an AR 15 for home defense? That's a big overkill, isn't it? And I'm like, well, it's not just for home defense, but it works in multiple, multiple cases. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not like, it's not like the first thing I'm going to do is like, that's not the reason why I bought it was for home defense. I bought it because it's fun right. because I want to practice hitting fucking center, center target. You know what right. I'm saying? Like has nothing to do with just shooting a robber that comes in your house. Like that's, I mean, that's one of the uses, one of the uses of this tool. It's not just like a fucking, I don't know. There's just, I had a buddy get really pissed at me a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? First thing you say is you're going to shoot someone that comes in your house. I'm like, what else are you going to fucking do? You're not going to like, the first thing I'm going to do is not be like, hey, why are you in my house? You know what I'm saying? I'll say like, yo, get the fuck out of here. But it's not going to be like friendly exchange, you know. (laughs) They're going to hear the fucking, the thing chamber a bullet. And then hopefully they'll start to fucking run, but That's not like he got so butthurt over me talking about it. He's like, why do you talk about it? Why is that something that you want to like express to other people? I'm like, that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is I'm just stoked about buying a new gun. And I think that touches on what you're saying about people being really like hush-hush about Mm -hmm. it. Like it's not like this open, like it can't be a conversation that you have casually without someone getting somewhat offended about something.
1: Well, again, look where we live, right? Pacific Northwest.
0: We're very liberal in a lot of
1: ways of living. Okay. So you can buy pot. If you want to buy pot, you can marry whoever you want to marry. You can do a lot of things very liberally here in the Pacific Northwest. You also can own a gun if you want to here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. We have so many customers of all walks of life. It's insane. People kind of have this Predisposition on what they think a gun owner looks like. Right. And you knowing you now for as long as I've known you, you're not what people think a gun no, owner looks like. But you know all. what? To me, you are what a gun owner looks like because this is Pacific Northwest, man. Right. We have lots of mixed-race people, t- as you said, tatted up people. That's that's where we live, man. Right. Guns are just a hobby for a lot of people. Plus, a lot of people are really alienated because they're worried about the giant corporations that they work for being, you know, finding out that they recreationally shoot guns or they own guns and fear of losing their job wow, because wow. of something like that. So that's an actual that's a thing. Oh, definitely. You can lose your There's job. There's many large employers around here that will take that very seriously and huh. uh, seriously consider your employment at their company if they find out what you like to do when you're not on the clock. So on your own turf just having a even—it's oh. a very polarizing commodity to sell, man. I mean, think about it. Like, can you really think of anything else in the retail market that is so politically driven and so such a stigma and such a polarizing,
0: polarizing product to sell? Absolutely. More than guns? I mean, no, absolutely. Not. There is. Yeah, there. That's, well, I mean, I'll put it this way. Like the way I describe it to my friends when I take them shooting. I'm like, yo, you're holding the Grim Reaper. Right. So right. You, need, you need to be very careful with that. Sure. That is not a toy. But at the same time, there's a level of respect that comes with it that you can have fun with that. It's not just this weapon. You know what I'm saying? It can be, like you said, like a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. And and so that being said, yeah, it is a very polarizing thing to sell. And it's definitely something that's going to cause a lot of uh, uh, conflict. Whereas I, I never thought that you could lose your job from something. I didn't. I thought that would be something oh, yeah. that's extremely personal. Like that you don't have to disclose that you own a firearm.
1: No. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not, and nobody that works here are these huge political guys that are going to get on their soapbox and talk down to people one way or another, because that's one, a real quick way to lose business, right? Especially here in the Pacific Northwest, where people like to shoot guns, but might not agree with the political masses for the Second Amendment. So, you know, that's fine. I Growing up, I learned that you're a couple of things you shouldn't talk about to people, and that's, you know, money and also religion and you know now it's guns too that kind of gets lumped in there so where do you
0: see that changing if you do um you see that you ever see that coming to an end
1: (laughs) it's a very divisive topic man i mean your friend right who automatically got very upset with you because you own an ar-15 the ar-15 is like you know it's the it's the poster boy for anti-gunners right Mm -hmm. um Except for the format they like. To it is. Pick they love to on. go after that, man. Yeah. They, lo- they love to go after that. It's no different than any other firearm. It needs to be treated the same way with respect, but it gets a bad rap too because one, it's used, a version of it is used in the military. Um, two, you know, we've had a lot of unfortunate school shootings where an AR 15 was incorporated, right. you know, and three, it's an easy target right Right. (laughs) it's low-hanging fruit for a lot of people that don't like guns
0: well and also too i think a lot has to do oddly enough with it being a very popular video game format sure and that's a huge proponent for people like oh violent video games are causing blah blah but you know i feel like in a way i mean yes you are able to do things in the video game that you cannot (laughs) legally do in real life but you develop this like i wouldn't say like obsession but maybe like an understanding of like look this is like you know i can especially for me like coming from someone who plays call of duty coming and handling a firearm that i can use in the game that's like that's kind of like a mind-blowing experience and like and kind of scary at first um so i i do understand where people are coming from um as far as like making that the poster child of like anti-gun movement and so you don't think you see an end to it then I think
1: it's going to continue to be a very divisive topic for a long time. I've been in this industry 18 years now and I see the cyclic. It's very every four years where there's a change in office or there's uh, some major law that's threatened to be passed or is passed or something like that. Sales go up, sales go down. That's what kind of what we're in right now, you know? Right. Right. We're in kind of a very interesting time in the world of firearms because we have so many social issues going on in the United States.
0: Maybe if you could like speak on that for the people listening. Um, because to them they might think, Oh, you can just get bullets and ammo whenever you want, but I don't think they realize maybe that there can be a shortage where that's concerned. Oh yeah. There can be a serious like lack of a certain type of ammo or even firearm format that you can buy. Why do you think maybe like for the people who are very new to this, go into why that's an issue right now. Why are there so many shortages? So in general, a
1: lot of manufacturers that produce all of the big brands for the firearms industry have kind of been shut down due to COVID nationally since like February. So, so, no, so no factory work. No factory. Anyone. No one's working, right? Everyone's off. Everyone's, everyone's taking care of their family or social distancing or something like that. But then- the demand has gone through the roof. Right, People, right. you know, I've heard, I heard somebody say to me yesterday, oh, 9mm ammo is the new toilet paper of March. You know, and I laugh, <laughs> I laugh pretty hard at that. That's because it's funny. true, man. Right. You know, it's very interesting because the demand is higher than ever than we've, anything we've ever seen in the firearms industry, but the supply is at an all-time low.
0: So going into this drought, per se, were we in a place where there was an abundance? yes so it was immediately once this all hit pandemic um you know whatever else it may be that what else some other shit happened where there was like a big buyout of, i feel like some other event happened where.
1: People- so we also had oh, i mean a lot of the civil unrest right, right. yeah so the movie- a lot
0: a lot of the civil unrest really
1: in all the major cities around the united states caused people to react by purchasing a firearm because they fear for their safety um The, uh, the FBI just released a statistic that in July there were, or in the first half of 2020, there was 2.5 new, new gun owners in the United States. And that doesn't really seem like a lot, but that's new gun owners. First time ever owning a gun. How many? 2.5 million. 2.5 million. That have never owned a gun in ever in their life. And they're 85% cited their main reason for purchasing a gun was fear of safety. Wow. So that's the motivating factor for people buying guns.
0: That's really interesting to me because um their fear of safety, their fear of their own safety, um honestly in my opinion buying a gun doesn't always lead to that being um that feeling dis- dissipating because right. you need to know how to use that firearm. Right. You can't just buy it and expect it's not plug and play. I mean it is plug and play, but it's not you know out of respect for the weapon it's not plug and play in a way you know what I'm saying like you got to know
1: it's not. It's, yeah. I, I, I use a lot of analogies in my job and so forth. And one of the major analogies that I use is a car. Okay. Buying a vehicle of some sort. So you probably wouldn't go out and just buy a car if you've never driven one before or taken driver's education right. or something. Along intimidating. The really it's intimidating, yeah. right? All right. of a sudden you're sitting behind this 6,000 pound vehicle right. and you got to figure out how to drive it. Yeah. Right. Firearms, very similar to that. So not only is there a huge spike in people purchasing firearms, but there's a huge spike in people seeking education. I tell you, man, this place has never been busier with people seeking new education. And 99% of the classes that we're doing is first-time shooters. It is crazy. I mean, and it's everybody, man. It's grandparents. It's people very young. It's people very old. It's husbands
0: and wives. It's fathers and sons. It's insane. I'm curious, um, being that we live in a state that's very open to all, like you said earlier, we can we can pretty much do a lot of the things we want to do legally. We could marry the same sex, buy weed, whatever it may be. Do you see a lot of um, like LGB, LGBTQBT? Do you see a lot of people in that? Sorry, man, I fuck that up every time. Sorry to that community. Do you see a lot of that demographic coming in? Tons. Out of fear yeah. for their own safety? Absolutely. or Or, you know, I guess too, there might be a stigma against people like that of that demographic buying weapons. And that might be kind of like a, like a touchy subject in a lot of ways. For me, it's
1: not because they have every right to defend themselves against their fear of safety as anybody else does. But a lot of people kind of automatically kind of put them in this box. Like, Oh, if you're in the LGBTQ community, then you must be anti-gun. Right. Or, Oh, if you're a minority, you must be anti-gun. But that as far from the truth as possible. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that would, that's kind of a bad generalization. I feel like it's a huge generalization. I mean, you've been here many a days on Saturdays where you look around and you realize, Hey, there's a lot more people that are like me and look like me right. than the opposite. Right. A lot of younger cats, a lot sure. of younger guys, for sure. A lot. Yeah. Um,
0: but what's really cool too. I've noticed, honestly, especially I, I, I can't really speak on other ranges cause I've never been to like any of like good old boy clubs or anything like that. But even the uh, more experienced shooters that do, shoot and use our range here, they're extremely nice to the newcomers for the most part. You know, there, there seems to be a really good community where that's concerned. I think that's a big draw for me.
1: I agree. And I think that's also kind of a, another kind of uh, misinterpretation of the firearms industry. The firearms industry is a very welcoming community, um, especially here at our facility. We really try to have good members i mean being a private club it's nice because we want to make sure that everybody that we bring on board here is you know going to fit in you know is going to be welcoming and isn't going to be a big problem you know um we have a lot of what i'll call more experienced or senior members here that are real quick to kind of jump in and help the younger guys help the first timers and things like that and it's just a very welcoming community but it gets kind of this bad rap
0: right i could see that being true too i mean uh, I won't name the range, but I went to a route outdoor range near here um, that seemed very standoffish and um, they didn't know what I had, you know, what I was packing, like what I was bringing with me. But I assume that if I would have pulled up with what I had based on the demographic of people I saw going in there, it's more of like a shotgun range or more of like a, like a nicer, like sporty type feel. And like here. You know, people come here to practice with their weapon, whatever it may be. And that's nice. It doesn't feel like there's some exclusive like, oh, you can only shoot shotguns here and we're going to look at you funny if you have a 22, whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Um, And I think that's been a huge, like I said, a huge draw for me is coming back. Is like, I love just kicking it here with you guys. Like, that's like, that's fun to me. Like, I'll just come and sit. I'll shoot for like 45 minutes and then sit here and chat with you guys for however long. You know, and that's, um, to me, community is huge. To me, community has been... um, like a big part of everything i involve myself in if the community isn't there i'd rather not
1: and it's cool it's a different kind of community but it it's a very welcoming
0: community yeah and like you said at first sight might come off as you know you don't fit the you don't fit the the look of a of a gun owner or someone who shoots guns i do get a lot of weird looks and i'm like Mm -hmm. hey do you want to come to the range they're like what do you mean range like golf range? like no i don't golf like (laughs) (laughs) um and not that golfing is bad i mean i've just never i've never been a golfer but uh but yeah, it's just it's very interesting to um and then also like the fact too that you guys are so encouraging. Like I brought my dad in on this. My dad is yeah. so stoked to do yeah. this. And like he's honestly so like gun shy of, <laughs> of the whole thing. Very like he up until recently didn't even know he could come shoot by himself now that he has his own firearm. So <laughs> he uh it's really cool to see him come in with like less experienced than me like more fearful than i am and have you guys still be very like patient with him understanding like of maybe the questions that may seem more rudimentary that's like really cool i
1: think it's, oh, it's i think it's really cool that that's something that you two didn't have together before you started coming here right now yeah. it's a shared experience that you guys have and it's another thing that you guys can kind of have as your own thing and outside of here anchored
0: and here though yeah. like it started yeah. here like yeah.
1: that was facilitated at a shooting sport we right? can always tell uh We can always tell when somebody hasn't been into a gun store before Mm -hmm. they kind of walk in the door and they're kind of standing at the threshold and they're kind of like shy and they're kind of like looking around. And that's kind of like for us as a, as a business, because, you know, we are a very welcoming community, but it is a business too. Mm -hmm. That is kind of the make or break point where a lot of the other gun ranges and shops will break for us. That's the make it moment right there. Right. That person needs to have their hand held. That person needs to be greeted and welcomed and not feel like, oh my God, I'm in a weird spot because I'm in a gun store and I'm afraid no one's going to talk to me. Right. We see that every single day. Somebody standing there like looking around, looking left, looking right, not knowing what to say. And if you just let that person walk around, that whole perpetuation of the gun industry and the... Misgeneralization of how people gun uh, in the gun stores are is just going to continue. Right. So we send somebody over there, one of our awesome employees, and then we chat them up. And nine times out of ten, just being friendly to someone right.
0: kind of gets them in the door and gets them comfortable. Answer some questions, some yeah, sure. stuff that you maybe don't even feel comfortable googling, or like are like worried that Google's not going to give you the right answer. Well, we always get,
1: oh, I have a dumb question. I mean, there's no dumb questions. Like you mentioned, we're dealing with guns, right? right. So. We want everybody to feel comfortable at, at the level that they're comfortable in. And for us too, you know, if we we kind of has have as a a company, not motto, but a kind of a company business direction that if we do a good job with you out of the gate as a person with zero experience, mm-hmm. you're likely to continue to be a supporting customer of our facility. Right. Right. A it's, loyalty, yeah. You'll develop that loyalty with that person for sure. Being friendly to somebody doesn't cost anything. Right. We work real hard to make sure that we're very welcoming to all types of people and very welcoming to people with variety of levels of experience.
0: I think what you said earlier was that's a really like solid point uh, as far as like the make or break moment being that if another, some opposing gun shop has seen someone doing that, they're immediately shut off by that and they don't want to help that person because they're inexperienced and they don't feel like – that'll be worth their time or that those people are going to be novice too novice for them to, they're going to have to explain too much. I think the fact that you guys walk in or when someone walks in, you guys are on it immediately can tell how that person's going to react and what they, what they need to get addressed based on the way their body language is permitting. Um, I think that's a big deal. I think that's really cool because that was me when I walked in here, I had no idea. Like, um, I, I mean, I'm fucking, like I said, I'm still very new, um, but I feel like the more and more I come in here, the more I ask questions and the easier it is to have that exchange be smooth and flow better and not feel like I'm like asking questions I can't ask or sounding like an idiot when I wanna like ask something that's a little more like, oh, that's this format fits this type of like, you know, whatever the question may be. Right. And not being intimidated by that. I mean, it helps me also educate other people, which it is does. nice. I mean, it, it's perpetuating, right? Mm-hmm. So if you do somebody a solid, it's like
1: a pay it forward thing, right? Yeah. Moving forward, you're probably gonna help. One of your friends when we can get one of them in here to shoot you're going to help them with some of the questions that they might have and they're going to be more comfortable asking you because you already have that established relationship and then now you have that knowledge that you picked up from us
0: right it's really cool because there's a huge level of like um sounds kind of corny but when i picked up my my rifle the first thing the first feeling i got was like the sheepdog feeling (laughs) now that i have this this tool i feel like i it's my creed to teach people uh, especially those close to me, that this is a very important thing to respect and, but also be aware of and how to use. Um, because you rather, I'd rather be ready to go than calm my pants down when the moment comes that I need to use it or when it's something I want to do as a hobby. I want to know how to do it sure. effectively and have fun. Um, so I think through that, like through this whole exchange I've had with you guys the past, I don't know, it's been two months now. Yeah. That I've been shooting here. It's been it's been awesome and you guys are fucking sick. Thanks. Um, man. honestly, seriously, I'm not even just trying to gas you guys up. Like I every time I talk about shooting, I suggest you guys is the first place to come to. I mean, it's also one of the only places I know, but I it's the only place I will recommend. It's kinda like my tattoo shop. I always send people to the same fucking place. But see,
1: you got the level of service there and then you continue to go back because you have a guy. Right. Right? Yep. I mean exactly that, that, that. it's like that in any industry. Right. you know, selling cars or your your barber or your Whatever, right? right? You go back to the people that you feel comfortable with that took good care of you. Hospitality is everything. I mean, it is. And that's a, unfortunately, that's a big missing piece of the gun industry
0: in general. I think maybe not only, maybe not missing, maybe missing might be the right word, but I think maybe just overlooked. Sure. Because it's kind of weird because there are parts of the country where you can't own certain firearms, right? Like California, you can't have certain guns. And like, are there certain states where you can't have certain guns yeah. right there's like you can't have like a rifle like ar-15 format in california or california the
1: the toughest states for being a uh, firearms owner in the u.s are like california new york maryland on? is that ignorance or is that, is that uh, <laughs> i don't get too deep in the political weeds but a lot of it is political yeah. i would say yeah huh. i mean california like if if we could rewind the clock and go back to the 80s, California was one of the best firearm states. Really? In Cal- yeah, so California.
0: Things were rolled back based on events. Events. Happened. I mean, California
1: also too had had a lot of violence in the in the 90s, right? New York as well. There was a lot of things that happened, but if you go back to 80s, 70s, California, New York, those were awesome gun states for being a for being a private citizen owning firearms. Those were some of the best states. Wow. Um, but you know, slowly the firearms industry in a lot of those states has kind of been degraded and you can still own some stuff in california it's just a lot more difficult you have to do a background check to buy ammunition oh in wow california. yeah you so can't you just come an in and buy it. it over the counter yeah
0: so every time you go to buy ammunitions yeah like, no yeah,
1: shit. yeah so yeah. i couldn't just
0: walk up like i do here and be like hey no. i need two boxes uh, really yeah so it'd take me seven days
1: Yeah, I don't know if it. I think it might still be an instant check in California, but basically, you're registering the ammunition that you buy. So the guy that works at the counter is, you know, writing down how many boxes Kai bought. Wow, and then filling it out and
0: reporting it. So as far as like ArmsList.com, do you think you could just buy ammo on there and still have to go through a background check on there in California? Yeah, I couldn't tell you. That's crazy. Yeah, that's so wicked. Yeah. So, um. As far as uh, Washington's laws go, we're pretty lenient then.
1: We are. I mean, it, it's changed a lot. I mean, I've been doing this long enough where it, now it feels like it's getting harder and harder every year. Um, Washington in general has kind of made it a very arduous administrative task to be in the firearms industry. To be in it? Like to, like to work in it, it? Yeah, it's, so very, like, it's very difficult now. Okay. There's a lot of administrative tasks and a lot of extra things and extra reporting that you have to do now that we never had to do in the early two thousands, you know, um, Washington, uh, well, you, you fell, I don't want to say victim to this, but you know, if you would have bought your rifle in July of 2019, you would have been able to take it home that day.
0: No way. Yeah. So this is a new,
1: yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. We just passed the one year mark of the new firearms laws in Washington state where, Everything has basically a mandated two week wait period, which you know, you went through it. it, Yeah, you felt it, man. So that's wow. Yeah, there used to be a lot more uh, freedom as far as conducting the background check for a lot of us.
0: So, do you think that states respond to, I'm trying not to be political because I'm not political at all, but in a less political way, do you think states respond to their um, firearm? laws and facilities based on events that happen in other states like do you think we had these things implemented because of things that say happened in Nevada or things that happened you know
1: yeah i mean i i think that's it's contributing factor
0: for sure even though it doesn't happen or it right. hasn't happened here it's not a huge
1: we had we didn't have we didn't have a you know a, a nevada style uh situation here but we had a a, a few shooting situations we had a like marysville pilchuck the, Marysville pilchuck we had a big, actually, was there oh really yeah yeah well we're gonna have to talk about that a little bit more yeah no, um also too we had the Teo high school shooting oh we had it. yeah we had that uh that, was that yeah that was a uh, maybe 16 maybe six, wow. 16 or 17 kid went in and purchased a firearm at a big box sporting goods store and brought it home that day went in the went to his car and read the manual on how to operate it and did some things that no person should ever do with a firearm. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So, I mean, we've had some incidents here over the years. So you think that's in we, we in response to that, a rollback certain things? I think so. I mean, I, I think it's, again, not to get too political. I think that they very quickly try to demonize the firearm. Right. Right. Because that was the
0: tool that was used. It's interesting. I think that's the age old argument of like, you could kill anybody with a spoon you know what I'm saying? doesn't mean you're going to. doesn't mean the spoon's going to pick itself up and kill someone. You can buy hammers and axes at Home Depot. Same shit. Right. Same shit. Right. So. What a trip. You could put tax in the end of a fucking Nerf dart and kill someone if you... <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, do damage with, with, with toys. Yeah. yeah. I, by the way, to the listeners, and you guys know this is not a political podcast whatsoever. I talk about mushrooms and weed. So, <laughs> to, <laughs> it's just like... The last thing that we're talking about here is politics. Um, this is, but but this is actually a very political topic in a lot of ways. This is uh, in a in a inadvertently way. It's it's um, it's it's political in a sense. I'd say also because it's one of our rights to own a gun. That's why I tell people it's like, yo, take advantage of that Second Amendment. Take advantage of the fact that you can own something that in most countries you don't even get the chance to touch legally. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's like a huge. That's a huge thing. Even if like the hope is you never have to use it. The hope is you never have to point that at another person with the heart beating. You know what I'm saying? But like the, the, <sighs> I don't well, know. Well, there's an
1: old firearm store saying, and it's kind of a cliche line that some of a senior salespeople use when you're trying to sell somebody a gun and they don't know if they want it and they're kind of on the fence. And we use the condom analogy to be honest with okay. you. Yeah, let's hear it that let's sounds hear it. funny, right? Oh, let's right? Hear it. Yeah, the let's... condom analogy. So, okay. the condom analogy is it's better to have it and not need it. Right? Than need it and not have it. That's
0: for fucking sure.
1: <laughs> right? So, I mean, that's really, you know, a lot of people can really kind of see through the weeds on that, right? You understand that, okay, I have this firearm. I have this responsibility to know how to operate it. Right. Um, but I hope I never need to use it. And like us here, I mean, again, we're nobody here at this facility is like this hardcore you know gun 2 a gun guy yeah you use air quotes but we say that to people all the time i mean we're not we like guns it's cool what does 2a gun guy mean second amendment oh yeah okay, like not- we, i mean i w- without the second amendment right like right. this facility wouldn't exist yeah. and a lot of things wouldn't be going for us, but I have a lot of things going on in my life. And there's a lot of people in the firearms industry where all they think about is guns all day long. And those are kind of the, I don't want to call them outliers because that pigeonholes. I'm sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's, it, it's better to be a well-rounded person. And, you know, again, you mentioned your little disclaimer about not getting too political and you're not a political podcast. I'm not a hugely political guy, right? right? Firearms are a commodity that we deal in and teaching people how to use them safely is our job. Right. So, you know, again, that's why we kind of cater toward the novice and novice intermediate. And that's, I think that's why we have such success with those Mm -hmm. because we don't ever talk over anybody. We don't ever belittle anybody because they don't know all the technical statistics on every firearm. I mean, when guys start coming into the store and spouting that stuff off, like, man, my eyes roll back in my head, and I just I don't want to it's hear. Cringy. Hey, it's super cringy, man. Like all my boys are shaking their head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you guys can't, We got we got the whole we got a lot of the crew here.
1: Uh, out. It,
0: it is cr- it is cringy, you yeah. know. It, it's
1: cool, man. Like I got Wikipedia on my phone too. Yeah, you know, I can Google shit. Cool. <laughs> I know how to use Google. Right. Like, yeah, you know.
0: I follow. It's interesting. I follow a couple guys on Instagram. Um, I won't name them, but. Um, they post a lot of their builds and they talk a lot of game, but they never show themselves using it or practicing with it or shooting sure. it. And it's like yeah. it's like those people, I mean, you're in the shoe game, so I'm not trying to talk shit, but it's like those people <laughs> that buy shoes that like they stock them and they don't yeah. use them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. that, I feel like is another part of this industry that's very interesting. Is there's people that just mod the fuck out of guns right. just to say they have the mod, and then it just sits there with their EOTech fucking right. five hundred dollar hollow graphic site on there and they're catching dust it's so interesting right. to me it's very interesting there's right. a very different level of uh there's a lot of user. ways
1: to, there's a lot of ways to look at people that own guns right there's guys that own guns they own one gun and they shoot the shit out of it right they shoot it they know how to take it apart they know how to do everything with it and then there's guys out there that collect guns like people collect stamps man they build them they buy them they need to have the newest one they you know they have hundreds of guns at home. And I know that's probably shocking to some of your listeners that there's people that have hundreds of guns. But you and I and everybody else sitting in this room have crossed paths with many of people that own hundreds of guns. Oh yeah. You don't go around telling everyone they own hundreds
0: no. of guns. No. That's their business. <laughs> there's pretty big safe that I right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. I um I know so my buddy I grew up with um for those that listen to this that know him you'll know I won't name him but he and his dad uh, have collected firearms for a long time, and they have a room probably probably the size of, I'd say almost the size of the store. Okay. And it's lined, like, with fucking, like, lined. I'm not even kidding. His dad's, like, the, he does some pretty executive shit for mm-hmm. a high a big, cor- like, wholesale corporation. Okay. So, he makes good money, yeah, and yeah. he can afford it. He's the type of guy that has, like, full auto weapons from, what's the date, 1984? Pre-86. Pre yeah. yeah. He for sure has a, a vast collection of fully automatic weapons. And uh, fucking insane um, because he has a fingerprint to get into his room. And, like, all <laughs> kinds of shit. Like, just fucking insane. And, like, nicest, most humble guy ever. Yeah. Short, like, just not, you wouldn't even think twice about it. And, like, these people, like you said, we come in contact with them all the time. And it's not, they're not evil people. No. Not inherently like kind of going back to the Pacific Northwest there's a
1: term that I've been real comfortable using for a long time and it's closet gun owner. Okay. There's a huge base of closet gun owners here that a lot of people don't know. Guys that own lots of guns but they don't go around wearing wearing the t-shirt saying, you know, Glock or Colt or whatever, you know, yeah. you know, announcing to the world that they own guns or have all the stickers all over their cars. Right. 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 NRA or three percent or whatever it might be. Right what is three percent? Um like a faction of people. Yeah, it's uh it it, I'd call it a special subsection of people that are very in tune with firearms. Three
0: percent what does it refer to like a three percent of I'm curious now. Um is it kind of like people who refer to themselves as one percenters
1: yeah three three percent kind of is a throwback to the declaration of independence era with oh, uh yeah you don't gotta touch on i don't know man we might have some three percenters that are listening to the podcast we'll i like do. them too man fucking so care. either way fucking cares. Look, that's the thing offended. about me is i don't have a specific customer base i like everybody
0: right you come to this podcast and listen to it you don't get offended because we don't have little bitch listeners everybody listen <laughs> you listen to this you want to fucking have a good time, you listen to this and you don't get offended cuz that's not what we're here to do. We don't here we're not here to offend people. You listen because you're interested. That's how it goes. But um so oh, fuck, I had a question and then it just slipped my goddamn mind. Um I wanted to ask about so as far as like going forward, mm-hmm. I I'm, I remember you saying this a lot actually. When it comes to presidential elections, why do things pick up So here we are. We're sitting here in August, right? August 2020.
1: There's going to be a presidential election in November mm -hmm. 2020. I saw it in November four years ago and November like that eight years ago and November before 12 years ago. The big drive, if you will, that kind of spikes the firearms industry is a change in office. Okay. So this year is going to be a little bit different and a little bit, um, I'd say, out of character. This is a very interesting four-year cyclic for a number of reasons. Reason one, if there's a change in office uh, at the executive level Mm -hmm. with our president to uh, his competitor, um, there has already been a number of things said that there's going to be some attempt to have gun control put in place and everyone's like well gun control that's good everyone's safe well gun control is kind of a way to mitigate the type of firearm that you can i was gonna have. say yeah if you could let people what does that mean what does sure. gun control entail gun control i mean there's a lot of different interpretations
0: of i was gun gonna say control. it seems like it very there's a lot of,
1: yeah it's a broad that's a broad description a lot mm-hmm. of it kind of depends on how um, conspiracy theory you are or how tight your tinfoil is on your head or whatever <laughs> like that
0: yes, so, to me i feel like gun control to me uh with a representation of that would be like you said the changeover from in 2019 where you could walk home with sure. a, a rifle same day and now that's control, a state level gun control right okay right. so we're talking we're federal talking level Austin gun control okay, right. so, okay, okay, continue, so federal
1: sorry. level gun control let's say that there was a an assault weapons ban put in place okay so The term assault weapons ban, you see me rolling my eyes, but the term assault weapons ban is, again, kind of a misnomer. But it's kind of uh, a set of characteristics that some people once decided make up a type of firearm. The rifle that you own falls under the category of an assault weapon. It's
0: an AR assault rifle, yeah.
1: Um, But if there was an assault weapons ban, quote unquote, put into play, then you wouldn't have been able to purchase that rifle at that time. Right. So we didn't have one. You purchased your rifle. Cool. You own it. Right. If there is one put into place, there was, there was one previously from 1994 to 2004. Oh wow. That was called for lack of a better term, the Clinton assault weapons ban. Wow. President Clinton, Bill Clinton put the, Assault weapons ban with a 10 year term into place where you couldn't own firearms with certain features and manufacturers couldn't produce them and you couldn't buy them new in a store. Wow. For 10 years. What was the goal of that? Uh, To minimize crime. And so, rifles, for example, rifles would come with a 10 round magazine, uh, an arbitrary number that somebody plucked out of the sky that thinks that gun is less dangerous than 30 rounds, (laughs) right? Right. It's, they're equally as dangerous. Right. It, not, yeah, equal, it doesn't uh, matter. They're equally uh, as dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and other little, little features to certain firearms. So um, there's a lot of chatter, if you will, among the firearms industry that if there is a big change in office at the executive level, that there will be another assault weapons ban put into place. And again, not to get too tinfoily here, but without a term indefinitely. So indefinitely. Indefinitely. Is there a so, gra- is there like a grandfather
0: effect on that? Where well, if it you-
1: follows suit to how it was in 1994, yes. So if you owned it prior to the ban, then you'd be good. There's just no manufacturing of after a certain date, right? Okay. So when they had the rollout in 94, there was a 90 day heads up. So basically, it says okay, on this day, you know, 90 days from now, once the ban, uh, once the bill got passed, you can't manufacture
0: anything. You can't do anything with so, these features. Fuck. So if your whole deal was making assault rifles, you got 3 months to button it up before you got to Right. That's fucked. Right. And then people
1: can't buy anything, right? right? So that's a 10 that's a 10 year period. So, um that artificially inflates the market, I would say, where people are out there buying guns because they're worried that they're not going to be able to buy a gun. So that's okay, that, that's going back to the presidential. Right. Department. That's going back to the presidential currently, right? Also, too, we're still kind of in a situation here in the Pacific Northwest. We've really kind of been up on it on the on the political unrest in riots, in riots and both in Portland and and in Seattle. Right. We had a no go zone in Seattle. Right. right? We oh, had that. Right. Yep. Uh, Portland's had a lot of a lot of stuff going on for a long time. And, right. you know, we're kind of in the heart of it up here you know also too we're we're ground zero for the outbreak of covid man it happened in bothell in kirkland man it's where it started i tell like, you
0: i know the girl who got it the one of the first girls who got it
1: no yeah yeah really? the,
0: uh one of my home girls worked in the old folks home that were in kirkland yeah, yeah where it started yep yeah. she was like patient she was probably patient like number five wow yeah <laughs> It's crazy. Sorry, not No, know, no, yeah. no,
1: no. I mean, it's I mean, it's all part of it. All these things are contributing, right? So like people are people are weary of how how things are going to be. People are weary if they're not going to be able to buy a firearm or if there's some sort of major restriction or what prices is going to look like, right? right? Supply and demand, basic economics. When the supply when the supply goes down, the demand goes up, the prices yeah. go up. For sure i mean you're seeing that right Oh, i felt it, yeah you felt it felt you felt sure. it last weekend it seven dollars a box of 13 yeah you <laughs> felt it man right uh, yeah you, big you, inflation it went from seven to 13 and i could only sell you a very minute <laughs> quantity right i or mean unless i wanted to buy
0: a bucket of 150 brass which right is not cheap but.
1: right so i mean things it's very it's a very volatile commodity that we deal in mm-hmm. it's um very polarizing people you know, either love it, hate it, or are curious. That's kind of what I've noticed over the years. And then once they're not curious, they either love it or hate right. it. Yeah. They get off the fence one way or the other.
0: I want to go back to um, how I mentioned uh, that my girlfriend was in the school shooting, Maryville. Yeah. So her best, her sister's best friend actually was uh, close friends with the shooter and no was way. sitting at the lunch table that he decided to take the first initial lives of. So. Like hearing that story from her um, and I brought her in here before she came and shot with me. My yeah. First yeah, time. yeah. Um, she fucking, I didn't even think twice about that when I brought her in here, which, which makes me like so sad because I forgot that she was in that situation. And then I brought her into a situation where she's around something that literally scared the life out of her. Sure. And like, I think, but like that being said, bring her in here. I think she learned so much and being around, you know, the community and like the people that she's around. It showed her like, look, this isn't like a big scary thing. This person was mentally corrupt mm-hmm. and needed help. Right. And but being in that situation, like that makes me think like, man, these these background chess checks are like necessary. I don't even think he used the rifle. I think he was using a handgun yeah. personally. And and that, you know, maybe the seven days is a good thing. I it, hopefully, you know, there's some sort of mental health check that might be enacted hopefully because that's that's terrifying to 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 have to even put myself in her shoes for a second to think that you know she's sitting in class and all of a sudden it's like you know she can't leave you know because because someone's in the cafeteria killing people you know that's that's
1: yeah how'd she do with that when she came here
0: um the initial the
1: the, well, the, the, the post session
0: um i know she was a bit shook up yeah and that was me not taking into consideration that that was what happened. Because sure. that later that night, I was like, holy shit, wait a minute. Right. I just brought you into a scenario that may be extremely traumatizing to you. Right, right. And I didn't even think about it. I was just like, hey, they told me I need to have someone here to rent guns. Do you want to come shoot with me? Sure. Um, and that being said, like, she was a little shook afterwards. But she's like, wow, like, you know, my dad owns guns. And he's always trying to take me to go do that. And I've never felt comfortable. But I felt really comfortable around you doing it. And so I think it was there's maybe some closure involved with that, mm-hmm. you know, being able to, to hold something that once took the life of her friend and and knowing like, look, this like, for example, my rifle sitting in a box over there, it's not going to hop off the table and, you know, destroy people in this room. You know, I think maybe her being able to have a one on one with uh, we shot handguns that day mm-hmm. um, kind of closed this wound of like, look, you know, these aren't it's not the. It's not the gun's fault a little bit of fear facing yeah, yeah. like yeah. maybe some overcoming of like anxiety and like i said like i feel so bad that i didn't even consider the fact that that was what you know maybe she she was a little apprehensive about yeah. she even had a time i think once where she held the gun the wrong direction in the range and will like one of the one of our guys here was like yo like you can't do that blah blah and she was so shook up she's like okay i'm done shooting for today because like that's just so you know and it's not like they're mean to her it was just that like It's such a, like you said, it's a poor, it's a very like scary situation. If you don't know, if you're not experienced with it, if you have no prior knowledge or like, you don't have like a well understanding of like, look, point the gun downrange or point the the gun at the floor. Um, Yeah. It was just interesting. It was, it's just, it's close to home when you, when you think about it like that. Yeah. The,
1: the mental health aspect of firearms is greatly underserved and you know, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people that are very staunch Second Amendment supporters that will, you know, maybe not like what I say about this. But I do really think that the mental health needs to be drastically addressed in the world of firearms ownership. I and think so, too. Every, everything that, you know, has ever happened in a major, you know, school shooting or event shooting or mall shooting or something like that has led back to ties of mental health. And kind of everyone's, again, quick to blame the tool, right, but mm-hmm. not really address the underlying issue of mental health and, you know, the reason why the person decided to get that tool and do something bad right. with it. And, you know, I mean, that's something that a lot of people always say, you know, even at pay grades way above mine in the firearms industry that needs to kind of be addressed is – What kind of checks do you need to go through to be able to have that? And I think that's kind of part of the reason what Washington State tried to do when they changed their background check procedure and so forth is there's extra time put in for mental health checks and um, to make sure that you um, are telling the truth on your forms and things like that. Right.
0: I've Um, heard some pretty uh, daunting statistics that. Uh, within the first three weeks of owning a firearm the highest rate of suicides within those first three weeks. Interesting. That's really scary to me because, yeah. and I'm going to be full disclosure with you guys and, and the podcast, I've been suicidal before. I don't have an issue with that because I couldn't do something like that to my parents. And I don't think that's something that ever even crossed my mind while owning the firearm. But that statistic definitely, you know, that plays on mental health a lot too. Like r- whether it be harm to other people or harm to yourself, like I feel like there should be some sort of, maybe hopefully some sort of understanding of like a check on the person's state at which they're purchasing the gun. Um, uh, the one, the one semi-political thing I will say is I really hope that eventually police officers are checked mentally to own a firearm and to use a firearm and to be even in a, in a position of power, because I think that's a huge, obvious current issue right now is people abusing that power. And I think Mental health checks are good in the firearm industry. I think they're good in law enforcement. I think they'd even probably be good for firefighters. You know, like, <laughs> it goes across the board. Anybody who's in the safety realm should have some sort of, um... we got to be gentle with each other, man. Like, right. we're not... We're just humans. Like, you can't expect us to be hard-bodied fucking emotionless fucks. Like, you, you mentioned
1: that when you came here originally, we told you that you had to come with somebody to shoot and you brought your girlfriend.
0: Right. Did you think that was weird? Um... I didn't understand it really Uh at first. Only because after some questions, I got uh, that I learned that it's because people will come to gun ranges, rent a gun, and kill themselves. Yeah, and that's fucking terrifying. Right, and that the the fact that there is that rule that you need to have a partner means that that has happened. Right, probably Um, frequently or has happened in the past frequently before that rule was enacted. We've been very fortunate to have enacted that
1: rule since the beginning. So we've never really encountered that, uh, situation, but I learned from, uh, I'll call him a competitor, but he is probably one of the longest standing, uh, owner operators in the industry, uh, around here in the Pacific Northwest. He said to me, he's like, Hey, if you ever decide you're going to open a gun range and operate a gun range, this is one rule that you're always going to want to do is never rent a firearm to somebody that comes alone. Mm-hmm. or let somebody shoot in your range who doesn't have their own firearm with them. And I, every day, all of us staff and everything get questions like, well, what do you mean I have to come with somebody? Right. And that's why. It's, right. it's happened. It happened. hasn't happened here, but it's happened at a lot of places around the United States. It's kind of a shooting range safety protocol to mm-hmm. make sure that you come with somebody or you bring your own firearm already.
0: Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah, I do like that and after learning. It's an easy check. Well, yeah, and and an is it, that's mental health itself right there. It is. That's like a, a reassurance that the person you're bringing with, you know, or the person shooting in your range bringing someone with them that is of right mind right. between the two hopefully. Right. Um I was actually referring uh to using a gun range as the same level as driving on the freeway in a lot of ways because when you're driving on the freeway whether there's lanes of traffic coming at you or there's just a lot of lanes of traffic in general you're trusting the people next to you to abide by these thin invisible lines that don't exist you're, you're trusting these these paint this paint on the ground here at the gun range you're trusting everybody in that room to know what they're doing and and you have this level of respect that you're going to trust that person's not going to cross those lines right. which is really cool to right me. it is and that's not something you understand until you do it i don't think um until you're around a 308 one one lane next to you, right. and you're like, oh, <laughs> you fucking shit dude like rattling your teeth <laughs> right you feel like your fucking heart beat off a couple times yeah it's yeah your heart yeah it's it's definitely um it's been a great like i said like this weird sheepdog mentality came over me in like an non-cocky way like i feel like this is like a like i feel responsible now to uphold like a, a level of protection and, and um safety with the people i love and i think that's like part of my manlyhood that i'm, I'm going into i'm only How's your dad feeling about it my dad's shaky about it is he dad i love you but like he's really shaky about it like he he picks up the gun he's very like especially when he's here he like i don't know if you guys notice this but i probably noticed because he's my dad but he's very like uh his voice gets a little shaky he gets a little nervous he tends to be a little more um what's the word like overreactive on things like he'll like He's like, oh, am I, am I good? Like, he'll, like, flip the switch for the safe to safe to fire, like, three times. Or, like, he'll, like, sit there and, like, make sure, like, oh, am I, am I like, loaded right? Like, everything. Like, he's very... And I respect that. But yeah. he's also... It shakes him up, for sure. Yeah. Like, I remember the first time we came shooting, he was extremely... He had an adrenaline rush for, like, 30 minutes afterwards. He was so stoked. He, <laughs> loved, he loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. But he's still very, like, like, intimidated by it in a lot of ways, I think. And it's just because he... And not in a bad way intimidated, but like in a way of like, damn, like my son brought me into this and now like I was I give him shit because he always one up. He has to one up me. I buy I buy a DPMS, he buys a Ruger, like fucking guy. Dude. Like
1: I remember when he came in. He came. I, was I remember when he came in and he was like, Hey, let me see what Kai got. Oh, he asked to see oh, mine. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Like, did you show him? Yeah. And then he goes and buys the 18 inch fucking Ruger. (laughs) His gun shoots like a Ferrari. Mine shoots like a, I mean, I love my firearm, but like his gun is fucking insane for some reason. It's like triggers so light and nice. (laughs) But yeah, he, I think, I think he really does enjoy it. I think it really helps that I'm a part of it. um, Cause you know, cause like you were saying earlier, a lot of the reason why we came in here was the protection thing at first. And like um, it become more, it's become more of a hobby and I, I don't, push it as like a protection thing anymore but um when the riots and shit all started happening i was like hearing about these groups of people coming up fucking to Snowhomish and like right. threatening to raid houses and fuck up businesses and right. i'm like nope that's not happening here sorry um so yeah. I think that's, that sparked, cause you know, I've talked about in the past, like when fucking stupid apocalypse type shit comes up in the news. I'm like, Everyone dad, has a
1: zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Like, scenario, dude, right. everybody does. Right.
0: <laughs> so I, was, I always mentioned like, yeah, dad, we should get a firearm. He's like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't know I'm not sure if it's a good idea. And then one day I was here and I was like, dad, I'm buying one. Yeah. And he was like, okay. Like. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if I've told you this, and it's kind of like a little warm and fuzzy experience for me, but I came home that day and he just gave me a big hug and he was just like, wow, like I'm so proud of you kind of thing. Like that's like a big responsibility. It's a big step, Yeah. It's a big step. And it is a
1: big responsibility.
0: Well, and in a weird way, it's not like I'm like, like an alpha or anything like that, but like coming home and being the one, his son buying a gun, you know what I'm saying? Buying a powerful tool. Like that's not like a fucking snap on toolkit. That's like a fucking, like, you know, like I said earlier, that's a grim reaper in that case over there. Like that has potential to, you know, do damage. And like the fact that I took it upon myself to responsibly go through the process of like learning how to shoot, um, being around people that are willing to teach me, you know, I think he's proud of that. I think that's something he's, he takes pride in. I think in general,
1: for all new people, it's all about confidence and exposure, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to, the more time you spend handling your firearm, shooting your firearm at the range, getting comfortable with the operation and so forth of it, the more confident you'll be. And for Mm -hmm. him, the. The shakes will go away. That'll all that'll all go away the more time he spends here.
0: Right. And it's so funny to me because he gets he gets shooken up too because his gun jams. Yeah. Because he shoots steel casings out of this Ferrari right. gun that apparently he has. And I'm like, Dad, you can't be shooting steel casings out of your gun. That's just like his jams every time. I'm like, just put brass in it. Brass will go fine. It's more expensive, but the steel casings always get jammed in his gun. He's like, Oh, I'm just like scared to shoot because it's jamming up. I'm like, no, you just gotta understand, like, my gun can take 87 fucking ethanol gas your gun is 92 <laughs> like i guess i don't know what other fucking issue that would be yeah, buddy. um so, so we're about that the hour mark here i want to I, I like to give uh my guests like a little bit of time to just uh say their truth you know whatever it may be that you know you feel people need to hear what whatever you think wraps up your point on gun safety or on, on like bringing it to light that this is a community that everybody can be a part of um, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of time to just like say some things that you want to say about that, or you know, maybe shout out the shop, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um so yeah I, mean, yeah. I mean I I think if
1: anybody could take anything from this, I want them to get a little different perspective on what the gun culture is. Everybody kind of has a certain stereotype of what a guy who owns a gun shop is like or what a a shooting range is like, and you know. It's different than what a lot of people have the misconception of around here, at least. Right. We work again, like I told you earlier, we work really hard to be very welcoming, to be very open to new people, all types of people. We don't really care where you come from or what you do. You know, we try to be open. Um, And I think that firearms in general are a really great hobby. You know, I think a lot of people get caught up in the fact that guns are a lethal weapon yes they are but kind of like i was talking about earlier man it's a, also a competition against your against yourself for skill like right. people go to the driving range for a reason they like right. to see how far they can hit a golf ball That's you true know? <laughs> you That's know right. they play pool for a reason too see how many shots they can make same thing right. um you know here at our at our shooting range you know we we want you to come in we want you to come in with your quote unquote dumb questions we're going to answer them we're going to spend the time. We're going to make you feel comfortable. We're not going to make you feel weird. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, that's all I really got, man. That's awesome. No, I mean, you guys are already here for us, too. Come out to Shooting Sports Northwest in Bothell. Um, come check them out. They're Like I said, I've been shooting here for two months, and these guys are practically family to me now. Um, you know, two months of being around these guys and knowing them, I'm already doing a podcast. So, like, that to me – you know, that's a level of comfort that that comes with uh, hospitality. Um, so, yeah, um, thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate you coming and talking or letting me come here and talk just for you guys. So you guys know this is the first in-person podcast we've ever done. Set up the whole fucking thing in the back. It's, you know, a little bit of technical complications, but we made it happen. And I'm stoked that the first one was with you guys. It's fucking sick. I appreciate it, man. It was awesome. We'll have to do it again sometime, hopefully maybe after the presidential <laughs> election Steve, that's fine exchange, I'll, I'll, do, uh. I'll,
1: do, I'll do a part two in mid-november with you
0: yeah yeah i mean we it's always fun to just to talk shop too you yeah. know just talk about random shit um whether it be gun control gun safety fucking talk about guns whatever it may be i mean i i know you want to start your own podcast too i think that there's a big demographic for that i really I feel like that'd be a, a good uh good thing to tap into but well I'm glad, I'm glad i got my first crack with you yes yes. Sir. <laughs> all right well shit you guys heard it here um shooting sports northwest man it's it's been a it's been a fucking killer hour um anyways i hope you guys are taking care out there and you'll hear from us soon peace out